Smith, the defensive specialist, comes on. Well, the pressure heightens now because Smith leads the club in steals. He's very active defensively. Dean is, uh, he's kind of the enforcer out there. He gets after his troops pretty good. Of course, he's the captain of the team. There aren't many players that can guard a man in the open court like Gene Smith can in the backcourt. He is just so powerful. When you beat Gene Smith and he's pressing you, he's going to chase you down from the backside. Gene Smith like a kamikaze out there, running from one end to the other. Oh, John Thompson calls Smith his defensive hard. He just goes out and kind of roots people out of there. You hear about people, Billy, that set the tempo offensively. He sets a tempo playing defense. Smith seems to be everywhere. Comes up with a rebound. There's a rebound by Smith. Smith, beautiful pass to Martin. Smith, three on one, and Smith just takes it in. Gene Smith from the corner. Two. That's an excellent block out by Gene Smith. Another steal. Smith trying to come up with yet another one. Oh, Gary Smith or Gene Smith rather hit the deck in front of us. He's up and running. There is a traveling call. They give that one to Gene Smith again. And Smith up. is going to draw the foul. Beal called for charging. That's what Gene is so good at doing. Gene Smith defensive move. Smith, more than any one guy, turned this game around. That's the whole game. The national champions. What's up, everybody? Not my house is in the house. Is your host Eric, and as always, right next to me is my co-host Zach. Zach, what's going on this morning? I'm pumped, man. We got somebody from one of my favorite teams to watch all time, somebody that my dad introduced me to. So it's uh, one of those teams that really made me love basketball. So I'm really excited for this one today. Oh, absolutely. Hoya Paranoia, for sure. He's a former Georgetown player. He was an, won an NCAA championship. He's also the host of Hoya Locker Room. Honored to have him on to the show today, Mr. Gene Smith. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. I want to thank you guys for having me. Um, I had the opportunity to check out your work and uh, yeah, you guys are definitely in the right place doing the right thing. So it's an honor to be here. Awesome. We really appreciate that, man. Hey, we always like to get our listeners knowing where our, our players come from, just like your your background growing up. So looks like you grew up in the D.C. area. Is that correct? What could you tell us about D.C. and, and what your childhood was like growing up there? Wow. So D.C. born and born and raised, uh, uh, proud Washingtonian. Uh, so I grew up, I grew up uh, in the 70s. So it was tumultuous, to say the least. Uh, the King riots were, were fresh and, uh, you know, the fire was still smoldering on 14th Street. Um, so just grew up. It was it was truly Chocolate City now. It's Chocolate City then. Um, and, you know, if you if you visit D.C. now, like like most uh, urban spots, um, there's been gentrification. So some of the luster, some of the flavor um, has, has, has just been transfixed. Um, cause the flip side of that is that it's, it's awesome. Like to, to see the, you know, the, the melding of worlds, the molding of worlds. So, um, yeah, um, D, like I said, DC born and raised, grew up, um, definitely, uh, following up in my brother's footsteps, um, Northwest DC, George Avenue and Park Road for those people who, um, you know, know, know how DC is set up. Um, but just, yeah, just one of those things where, you know, single parent home, um, Georgetown was not, uh, not heavily recruited. So Georgetown was not, you know, in, in, in my places of where I would matriculate after high school, um, always been a role player, um, which, which, which suited, which suited my personality. Um, it wasn't until very late I discovered I had this, this captaincy thing that's kind of followed me along since elementary school. Um, so that, that, that was always interesting to me, um, because I was never the tallest guy. 
Um, but obviously I had a, a gift for the gift for the gab. But yeah, DC was just great. I mean, you know, you had you had, you know, you had the hustlers uh who uh you know kind of ruled the street. Um, but by the same token, if they saw you had a passion for something, they kind of you kind of got a pass. Um I, I went to high school out of my zone. Um I grew up in Northwest, as I mentioned, I went to high school in Northeast. Um, and I only mention that because it's just very interesting because you know, after I got to Georgetown and, and, and you know, um, learning about the history of Georgetown, they actually had a team that practiced at McKinley back in the back in the 40s or something like that. And I always I always thought that was kind of serendipitous. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a D.C. cat, um, wound up spending um, 15 years living in New York. And I only, I, again, I, I bring that up because. Um, the, the similarities between New York and D.C. and Chicago and Philly in terms of basketball is so similar. There are nuances, of course, um, but the, the respect and appreciation I got for um, uh, being a Hoya in New York was was it was crazy to me. Um, oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, um, I mean, I actually played at the Rucker. I'm a D.C. guy who played at the Rucker. And, nice. you know, putting that in perspective, that was at the tail end of my 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 you know my hoop career um, like I was an old guy but uh, these guys had such respect for the program you know they gave me a, a spot and that was when it was pro-am pro-am basketball uh, I was actually at like a Nike tournament and we were playing against Chicago so yeah DC uh, DC runs through me um yeah every day that's a, that's my spot let me ask you a question I'm, I'm always curious about this one was basketball your first sport or was like baseball your first sport Tumbling was my first sport. <laughs> hey, Zach, I don't know if you've ever seen me play. Tumbling was my first sport. Um, yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, again, single parent home. My mom's was very, very uh, protective or strict, as we used to say back then. Yeah. I, we had one of the fewest households where um, my mom's used to literally scream out of the window for us to come in. Mm-hmm. Now, again, this is this is in the 70s. No other parents were doing that. So we usually had that walk of shame from the playground. Um, but, yeah, my, my deal was uh, play football. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I was grand track. Um, but, but again, I, w- I was basketball by default. And that was, that was just because I was, you know, following my big brother. How, uh, how important was uh, that blacktop game to you? I'm an East Coast guy, too, so it's like I oh, understand. Okay. I understand the uh, – Mom yelling to come on inside. I understand the, you know, that's why I said, asked you what sport you played first because, you know, a, a lot of, you know, I grew up, I grew up in the 80s and we played everything. You know, a lot, a lot of times nowadays it's like you play basketball, the kid plays basketball mm-hmm. the whole year round and stuff like that. Same thing with baseball. But, you know, I mean, I played baseball, basketball, football, even soccer. So how important was that blacktop game to you growing up, especially in the D.C. area? Well, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the, the multiple sport playing, you know, sports were, were a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, so so it's just one of those deals where playing on the blacktop, man, was everything. We had we you know, our, our, our court had like a, a sidewalk uh, with like poles that they hung clothes uh, on as well. Um, and, you know, was riddled with with potholes. But when I tell you the wars and the battles that went on, um, you know, literally people would, and it was in the alley, um, but I couldn't wait to get out there. Um, was literally out there every day. 
um, some of the friendships, um, um, you know, again, the respect, the, the fist fights that happened, you know, we used to fist fight back then. Um, and, and just one thing that just popped in my head when you asked me about the blacktop, we had a female hooper. Her name was Diane Buck Bushrod. May she rest in peace. She was about, you know, five, nine, five, ten back then. But boy, could she play and she played with us. So the blacktop was just a social gathering. It was a meeting point. But uh, but again, uh, it, it was it was where you, you know, made your stones. Um, so, yeah, it was it was uber important. Um, again, it's almost like, you know, um, you know, you know, the girls were out there watching. It was, you, you had everything going on. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't be, it wasn't to be taken lightly. I can tell you that. So yeah, you always you always came home and uh, dirty and and again because again we're playing literally in the alley. Yeah. Um, but but some of the best memories we didn't have nets, of course. Uh, just some of the some of the best memories ever. Yeah, definitely a character building. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, earlier you mentioned tumbling, and uh, you know you're a defensive <laughs> defensive specialist, and I have seen a lot of you play. I mean the. The hip turn and sprint is something that I really noticed about your game. You mastered the hip turn and the sprint and uh, finding a spot on the court. And uh, wow. I got to ask. Wow. Tell it on yourself. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Uh, oh, my goodness. He's telling on himself. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I saying. You have no idea how much I appreciate that. No, no idea. I, I love it. That, that That's the coach in me. That's the coach in me. But I have to ask because defense is something that a lot of kids don't really take pride in at a young age. So who were some of your idols growing up? Like, who did you look at and say, I want to play like that guy? Because I just cannot even imagine who that would be for you. Well, it, it's it's funny that you say that because I have names and I may have many, but um, it was um, – no, it was Norm Van Leer and Jerry Sloan. You remember that backcourt? It was a backcourt with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. And literally, they 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 were they were they were heaven and earth for me. Um, they were hard and rugged. Um, but the, but the thing the thing about uh, guys back then who played the NBA, they could do both. They they played on both sides of the court. Um, but but defense, they didn't take off. Like you know, defense they they took pride in. So for me, it was guys like that on that level. But you know, on the collegiate level or, or, or even in high school growing up, um, really no one did I pattern my game after. It just became one of those things where how am I going to get on the court? I, you know, ran low track growing up. Um, it was just one of those things where somewhere along the line, um, you know, it, it, it got me playing time. And I, j- I just remember back in elementary school, um, and Zach, you'll find this kind of, maybe you'll find this funny. Because I think it's, it would be child abuse now. We had a press defense, and it was one me and the me pressing the ball, and the other four players were in in in, in the back court. So I literally just chased the ball until it got <laughs> over half court. <laughs> over over half court, and and I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing. Oh wow! And you know, um, I, I've always been been fortunate. I played with some very good offensive players because those are usually not hard to find. Uh, yeah. You know, people people to put up shots. And I always had a backcourt mate that was 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 an offensive standout. Um, and this, yeah, it just became my my hallmark. But but I I would be lying to you if, if I told you it was something that I, I actually thought about. I never I never really I didn't fully embrace it until I got to Georgetown. And, you know, because there were no visions of, of, of NBA or anything like that. Um, 
I've often said, uh, you know, I had one other scholarship offer and that was Morgan State. Um, and I, uh, and that, was a, that was a big deal to me. Um, I remember asking my, my older brother, you know, I just, I just got this, uh, this uh, you know, I'm getting interest from Georgetown. Like, I, I don't know what to do, Georgetown or Morgan State. He literally walked, just walked away from me. <laughs> just, oh, wow. just shook his head and walked away like, dude, th- th- there's no conversation. There's nothing for me to guide you on here. This is a, this is a no-brainer. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just um, – it just became my, my hallmark, and I just really embraced, um, you know, just not being recognized and not being all anything. Uh, whenever I got a chance to play against someone that was, you know, ranked, ranked or, you know, five-star, I guess we weren't doing five-stars back then. Um, it was, you know, it just brought something out of me. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my, my um, you know, my, my classic moment uh, is uh, uh, when I think about my career, for me, the thing that I, that I celebrate is hearing Pearl Washington uh, being interviewed. Uh, and they asked him what was his, uh, you know, Biggie's memory, his fondest Biggie's memory. And he starts off by saying, playing against Gene Smith and Georgetown. Nice. Nice. Wow. I'm, 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 I'm done. I got that. <laughs> I, I, I got, I, I, I'm done. Like, you can postmark that. That's my career in a nutshell. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, it's just one of those things, man. Coach Thompson used to call me a defensive hog. And, and, you know, I, I took offense to that. Like, yo, dude, I'm trying to be dapper. You call me a hog. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but when I go back and watch, like, literally, dude, I was, I was out of control. Um, I, you know, I, every now and then I watch some footage. Every Final Four, I watch the, the Kentucky game. That's, that's my little, you know, that's about a little vanity. Every yeah. final four, I pull up that game and I watch it by myself and look because it was my last college game. Um, I, I got injured in that game and then, of course, I get injured in that game and I don't, I don't play in the chip. Uh, the other, the other chip I played in in '82 against North Carolina. I, 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 I was my sophomore year. I got, I got seven minutes and I got dunked on by Worthy. Not how I wanted to be remembered, right? But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it just became my my calling card, man. And I, I obviously embraced it. And Georgetown was a program that was perfect for it. Gene, let me ask you a, real, a quick question. When you go back and watch that Kentucky game, you know, I don't know how many times you've actually watched that game. Do you see different things when you watch it? Like each I, time? I, yeah, yeah. I, I might be at the point now, Eric, where I'm not seeing anything different. <laughs> but I may be <laughs> making it up. Um, but, it, 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 you know, I... I Thank, thank, thank goodness it's only once a year because I forget some, and I'm getting older and I, I forget some things. So, you know, some things may jump out. Um, but I, I, it, it's just, yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it was, I couldn't think of a better way to go out. Um, I, some of the different things I see, like Michael Jackson had 10 rebounds that game. Um, uh, just just seeing, seeing how, you know, um, we were so deep how, you know, the sacrifices that people made, um, you know, we, we were fortunate that year. We had two seniors, Fred and myself. And um, on, on paper, I was the only captain. But in the locker room, there were two captains. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Fred was as, as, as rugged as they come, as, as cerebral as they come. You know, he, it's, it's some, it, that's when you know that the, the, the world is a, is, is a better place, right? This guy, this guy, has the mishap in 82, 
and he wins in 84. I mean, that's, 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 that's the epitome of sports. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, so yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I see different things, but most importantly, I, I, I see what, what might have been on a selfish tip, my best game ever. Yeah. Right. And, and could come at a better time. So. Yeah. And, uh, I want to scoot back a little bit because you just mentioned coach Thompson and I mean, coach Thompson's obviously had a huge impact on a lot of young men, both on and off the court. So what was your first impression of him when you got to Georgetown and what did you learn from him that has been most valuable for you as a person? Maybe you've carried on today to this day. That's awesome, Zach. Uh, thank you for asking me that big coach, rest in peace. Uh, my first uh, impression would have been, uh, you got to be fucking kidding me. This guy's not, re- this guy's not recruiting me. Um, you know, and that only, that only, that only, uh, that almost, that almost was confirmed because the next year, um, Billy Martin, who was my teammate at McKinley tech in DC shout out, um, came to Georgetown and that, and that infamous recruiting class with Patrick, um, Anthony Jones, Ralph Dalton, uh, and I mentioned Billy Martin. That, that recruiting class took Georgetown to the obviously the, the next level. So I was like, oh, so he just brought me here because he wanted to get Billy. That, that was my thought process. I just, just a shrewd and not, not growing up with a male figure in the household. He was that first black uh, male role, role model. Um, but what was so interesting, Zach, he was not trying to be a fucking role model. Yeah. That's that, that that was the thing that was most awesome because you know, particularly in the world we live in today, everybody's letting you know what they want to be and everybody has a hidden agenda. This dude made it very clear. You are here for four years, you're here to get an education, and we're here to we're here to play a brand of basketball um, that's not being played, or a brand of basketball that 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 garners respect over popularity, um, over admiration. Um, and guess what? By the way, um, it's a PWI. And obviously, they wasn't using PWI back then. But you, you, you're going to be the only brother in a lot of your classrooms. Right. Um, so it, it, it was it, it was it's a lasting effect. I mean, the, 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 it, it's it, it's just a way to go about life. Um, he was able to to fuse the two. Um, and to let you know that it was big, you know, it was more than about, about basketball. But if you, if you get the basketball part, right, a lot of other good things can happen. Yeah. And if you get the education thing, right, more good, you know, this, the sky's the limit. Um, and you know, um, the, the, the most important thing I, I think that, that I learned from coach Thompson is there are no victims. The yeah. victim shit does not work and for, and for a brother sometimes that could that could be you know because you, you want to fall back on that sometimes right but he was not about that um it wasn't about you know tough love or i mean the guy was a tactician man i mean the way he played the media the way he played the press um was was always interesting um and again a lot of this shit i didn't understand until i got out right uh, again all i was trying to do was 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 win every sprint I want to, I want to digress for a second, Zach. You talked about the hip and the, the turn. Yeah. Who do you know practice running sprints? I did. I, I literally made, made a pack with myself. I wasn't going to lose a sprint the whole time I was at Georgetown. 
That's a track so that guy in you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a track guy in you. That's the fool in me. <laughs> because if you see me walk around now, you're like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Both Achilles are gone. Both of them are gone. Um, but, yeah, it's, his, his impact. Um, I did a program uh, when he passed away on Hoya Locker Room. And thank you for giving me that shout out. I'm the worst at, uh, you know, when I, when I speak anywhere talking about Hoya Locker Room. So I really appreciate that. Um, um, I did a program to uh, Ode to Big John, Homecoming, uh, when he passed away. And, you know, if you know anything about the program, uh, the program is not necessarily all, uh, you know, shits and giggles. I mean, we're not a, I, I, you know, we talk about Hoyer family, but that's 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 connected by uh, by trauma, by PTSD, and that you know because Coach had an inter- interesting impact on a lot of people, um, and, and 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 you have a choice on how you how you you know how you take it. You have a choice on how you use it, um, and again, you can you can fall victim to it because he certainly wasn't short on. The, the motherfuckers like that that became that be, that was your middle name like every, every if you talk to any Georgetown cat if you talk to, particularly in the 70s he got there in 72 73 if you talk to any of the Georgetown cats from 70 73 to 90 I think he left 99 or something like that um and you say what's up motherfucker you good because they <laughs> They, they're used to that. You you will not get you you probably get a dad. They're probably what's up, baby? How you doing? <laughs> so you know he. So my language, you know, my language is definitely you know a little bit like you didn't. You guys mentioned to me in 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 in, in uh, pregame. Uh, you know, we can say whatever. We, I was going to do that anyway. You just got to bleep me later. <laughs> you just have to edit me later. <laughs> so you know, I he he again. I, 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 I apologize for being all over the place, but his impact on me um, personally and professionally is just insane. Yeah, it's uh, and it's all coming with the, the point of view. It's, it's 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 the man in the mirror. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, no, no, no excuses, dog. No excuses. No, I love it. I mean, that's a great answer. I mean, I know that's a loaded question, so I expected a loaded answer. But uh, I mean, you talked about him being tactical. But as a defensive spe- specialist, you also have to be tactical. So I, I, I don't know if there's any like tricks that you can share with some maybe our younger listeners on how to really take pride and maybe approach the game with a defensive mindset. But what were some of the tricks that you did either both mentally or just tactically that you wanted to insert in your um, uh, opposition on defense? I, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, impose – um, concern. I wanted to impose, you know, fear is a strong word. I'll leave the fear to, 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 to you know, to, to Patrick. I mean, that was, that was Patrick's role. Um, but my deal was, um, you know, I, I definitely studied my opponent. Um, I, didn't, I, I didn't learn about film until I got to college. We didn't have any film in, 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 in D.C. I mean, in, in high school. Right. Um, but I paid attention to the scouting report. Um, you know, um, uh, if I got a chance to see my opponent play, I would, I would, you know, I would, I would stay and watch. Um, but I, I just prided myself on being in the, be- I was going to be in the best shape on the team. And, uh, you know, you, you can't teach somebody how to play D. Right. I mean, that's hard. That's hard. Um, what I loved about D is 
I can never have a bad game. Yeah. Sure, sure, I can make silly fouls. Sure, I can foul out. Um, but that's almost a that's almost a badge of honor. Like I, I left it all out there. I, I, you know, um, I, I don't know if it was uh, Eric or Zach. I don't know which one you asked me about. Uh, what do I remember from the Kentucky game? That was um, me. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I remember taking myself out because I was tired. Like, yeah. Who does that? Right? Yeah. You know. But 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 this is the thing, guys. I was only out there for like five minutes. So I, I did I did a lot of that five minutes. Like I was really running all over the place. Um, but. You know, I wanted to let the guy know that I'm going to be coming at you all day, every day. And, and you know, it was just relentless. Um, and, you know, Georgetown brand of basketball, that, that was perfect for. I mean, I had a guy, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on Hoya Locker Room, uh, Mike Riley, and he played for, played for the early Coach Thompson teams. And he became an assistant there uh, while I was there. And he was the, you know, he was the – he was the um, the sample, right? He was the he was the OG defensive player, about five nine, five ten, defensive stalwart. Coach Thompson is on record as saying, you know, in terms of defensive guards at Georgetown, Coach Riley's one, and then you skip two spaces and you get to the next guy. Uh, so you know, and, and and to have him on the show and to thank him for being that guy. Because that, that paved the way for somebody like me. Sure. Um, but again, it goes back to that's not. I, I didn't think I was going to be recruited to to play that way. Like that wasn't that wasn't in the deal. And then the again the throw in, I get drafted. Uh, I, I've, I've been invited to two Olympic tryouts. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I. That's not something that again I dreamed about growing up. You know, um, and it's just. Again, something that, you know, I I honed and I I took pride in. But at the end of the day, it's just heart, man. It's heart and desire. And when you see a kid who has those skills, if the the intangible, the biggest, if the heart's not there, uh, because defense, you don't really take a day off. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it was just, yeah. I I kind of forgot the question because, again, I ramble. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I apologize. No, I mean, you answered it because we were talking about tactics and what you wanted to impose on your defense. And, I mean, you said, you know, fear and concern, which is, I mean, a great answer because I think a lot of kids don't really know how to approach the game with that defensive mindset these days. And I think that's a really good thing to be able to take pride in that and go into the game knowing I can't have a bad game if I play good defense. I really appreciate that answer, actually. Um, But I have another interesting question for you. And, I mean, you were named a team captain, and I just have to ask with, like, all the amazing players on that team. I mean, you have, you, have, you have Ewing, David Wingate. I mean, there's, I mean, like you said, you're a really deep team. You got Coach Thompson. What do you think it was about you that stood out to that locker room that they said, this is the guy that needs to be the voice of our locker room? Like, what do you think earned that respect? Is it the hard work? Is it winning the sprints? Or was there something else about you that made you the right choice for that team captain yeah. spot? You know, Eric, Zach already knows the answer to this, but I appreciate him asking me. Um, it was, it was one of those deals where um, I remember a story uh, that Mary Finland, who was our academic coordinator, um, and she might as well have been an assistant coach. And she shared it with me. And she just said, uh, you know, coach doesn't know what it is, you know, um, about you. Um, but for whatever reason, you're constantly yelling and you're constantly talking 
and, and people are responding to it. So, uh, I, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I certainly told myself back then, you know, maybe he couldn't trust any of the other guys and he just trusted me um, a little bit more. Um, but again, I, I, I didn't have this, this bond with coach Thompson that, you know, that you may think that the captain and the coach would have, like, I, I wasn't in his office every day. Um, you know, I, I will, I will tell a story. Maybe, maybe this will shed some light. Uh, we had a couple of players on the team that he thought, you know, were doing some extracurricular activities. We'll leave it at that. And he pulled me in um, to point blank, asked me about them. And I said to him, and, and I was learning, I guess, to be a, a tactician as well. I said to him, uh, well, coach, what do you think? <laughs> he would, <laughs> he would, he said, okay, okay, son, you can go now. Because I'm, he knew my next move would be, I grabbed them two players off the court and said, yeah, if you're going to partake of boom, 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 whatever you're going to do, can you be better at it? Like, you know, Coach Thompson had eyes and ears all around the city. You're not going to do anything in that city he's not going to find out about. It. So if that's your deal, either be better at it or you're going to get bounced. So long story short, uh, I think it was that kind of uh, rapport we had. Um, and maybe he saw that in me like, I will take a bullet for my people. I will take a bullet for my team. But I'm going to let you know I'm taking that bullet. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to fall on the sword and, you know, no, no, no. We in this together. I'm letting you know we got we got a goal in mind. Um, and if we if we don't accomplish that goal, then we came up short and hopefully we live to see another day. But you got four years. So I, I think maybe he saw that in me. And I, you know. You know, people have this misconception about teams um, that that everybody is it's all harmonious and we're all on the same page and this that. No, nah, man, it's not like that. A lot of guys don't even hang out off the court. Um, yeah. You know, um, but this is one of those things where I was the first. I, I tried to be the first guy there and the last guy to leave, right? And by the time I got to be a senior, um, I, I put kind of put it in cruise. Um, but I was, you know, I, I, I led. It was a lead by example, but 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 obviously I was verbal, and 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 and, and so I answered Miss Finland um, when we had that conversation. I said, you know, it's because I can't hear in my left ear that I'm so loud. So you know, it's one of those things where you know, I, hey guys, I can't even tell you. It's just one of those things where I just I I, I embrace I, I I embrace the role, but it's not. I think your best captains are one or people that are not trying to be captains. Those, yeah, are, right. those are your best leaders. So that, that was my deal. I wasn't trying to do anything other than uh, get me some minutes, you know, cause I, that always bowl well with the young ladies up on the hilltop. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was keeping this simple guys, but, oh, but, but, awesome. cle- but, cle- but clearly he saw something. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I would like to say he was the first one that made me a captain because then that would be, novel but that was something that was i was trending always trending like that and you know i just think that's it's a personality trait um 
that yeah, much later I embraced. But as I got older, uh, particularly once I got out of school, uh, that didn't always bode well in business. So that's a that's a whole that's that's another that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's let's talk about um, because I, I always think this is interesting, and and a lot of times people just see the games, you know, and they don't understand what's behind it, and especially like how legendary Big East basketball was becoming, you know, Syracuse, yes. Georgetown, St. John's. I mean. Dude, you, all of them, Boston College, Seton yeah, Hall, Hall. Exactly. There was no days off. There was no, no, there wasn't. Off. No, and I mean, it was becoming a powerhouse conference, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable, right? So for our listeners, and I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, for me too, I want to know too, what were those practices like? I mean, you got Ewing there, you got Coach Thompson. You, I mean, how intense were those practices? I, 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 I had to pause, right? I, 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 have, I had to pause and take a drink, drink of my matcha coffee, right? <laughs> and he's doing that right now. Yep. <laughs> when I tell you the practices were tougher than the games, no disrespect to any team in the Big East. None. But when Patrick was a freshman, we had a senior captain, Ed Spriggs. He was coach recruited him um, much later on after he had graduated and graduated uh, high school. And he went straight to work like he he found he found him at the post office. He was literally a postman. This guy was 26 years old, which is nothing today with these kids get 18 years ago. Go for um, but this guy was so tough. He was six, nine and just built like a, uh, a rock. Um, he made Patrick's life miserable. So I'm, I'm bringing that up because at every position you had those type of things going on. Fred was a starter as a freshman. I was beaten down the door, even though big John told me big John's recruiting pitch to me was I'm bringing you to Georgetown to be a practice player. That was perfect for me. It was perfect. <laughs> like, oh, you setting the bar that low? Good deal. So it, 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 the, the practices were full on uh, blood battles, dude. Like, I, I so, I, yeah, I, I can't tell you enough how our season was, was decided by how we practiced. How good. There was a blue team, which was the – the, the, the starting five, and then there was a white team. I, I spent most of my career on the white team. We literally made it our job to, to have that, that, that blue team so well prepared that they would rather play against uh, uh, another team other than come to practice. So it was and, – and if you got demoted to the white team, you almost liked it more because we had more freedom. The, the blue team was more structured. Like you had right. the – so you give us the opposition playbook and you tell us we have to run it. Oh, we're going to kill them. Like, because right. I mean, literally there was just, yeah, there, that was our hallmark. That was our hallmark. How good our bench was, how good the practices were. So the practices were really intense. Um, there was a reason why coach Tom, we had closed practices back then. He probably wouldn't be able to get away with that now. Oh yeah. But never. literally, no, no, literally what, but, but I tell you, he would try Zach. He would definitely try. Yeah, um, literally, there's still he used to tape up the uh, 
the, the when we're all opposing uh, when we practice at, at, at the opposing team's gym, he would tape up the the, the, the doors so people couldn't look in. Um, you know, and obviously that probably wasn't a problem for him until Patrick came, because no, nobody was trying to see Georgetown before then. There's always an interesting um, um, video where they talk about the first time um, when Georgetown plays North Carolina, and they talk they 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 frame it with North Carolina is the blue blood and, you know, here they come on their white horse. And then they, did they, did they shift to Georgetown? And we're like, we're like dark Raider, right? We're, we're covered in this. <laughs> we're covered in this to steal your women, right? Like watch your person. Um, but, 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 but we embrace that. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, Again, I forgot to question them all over the place. I apologize. <laughs> you no, you are giving us so much good stuff, man. Do, do not even worry about any of that. Um, I, you know, full disclosure, I'm an enormous Patrick Ewing fan. I wore 33 growing up. It, it, you know, that was the number when they gave numbers to people back then. I'm 33. That's just the way it was. You know, you I had mean, to rep that number. Oh, yeah. Well, it was great because here I am, this, you know, doofy, you know, white kid with, with, you know, red hair and everybody thinks I want it because of bird. It was like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's Patrick. You know, I grew up back East in New Jersey and whatnot. And I see and, you uh, repping the Knicks. I see you. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, as bad as we are still. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so my, my, my question to you is what's, what's something that we should know about Patrick that we don't. Um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, everybody knows how amazing of a player was his, his, you know, his average block wise, you know, rebounds, you know, what, what's something that we don't know about Patrick that we should? I don't think there's anything in this day and age, right? Like everything, the, internet, right? the, 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 yeah. thing, the things that I would want to tell you, like we got to, we got to hang out together and we got to be off the air. Like that's <laughs> good stuff. Um, everything that's in the public domain, I think is in the public domain. Uh, the thing that I, I like to share the most uh, that I don't think people really understand, particularly if you think about the, the brouhaha, or the, the it seems like a one-sided brouhaha with Oakley and Patrick. Yeah. Uh, Oakley's comments. Patrick was uh, an incredible teammate. Um, um, you know, the the most talented individual I've ever played with. Uh, even though he was a seven-footer. Yeah. Um, he celebrated your success on the court. Like it was his success, and you know, you don't really see that with most superstars. Right. I mean, I, th I think Jordan had a way of doing it, but it was more subtle, right. maybe a nod or a fist pump. Patrick would get physically excited, like after you did something well. You know, back then it was the high five. Nobody wanted to high five him because it would literally take your arm off. Like he would be <laughs> so excited. Um, yeah, like I, I, I've never seen a superstar more willing to do the dirty stuff, more willing to do battle. Um, and, you know, you know, one, one of the most, um, you know, loyal people um, um, that you would want to know, but, but, but yeah, I, I, I think uh, he did an interview with um, uh, uh, Eton, I hope I said his name right, Eton Thomas from Syracuse. He did an oh, yeah. uh, interview with him yesterday and he talked about the Oakley Brouhaha and he just said, you know, um, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I, and I, I, it's not, this is not an exact quote, but it was, it was more, I, I'm, I'm disappointed uh, that Charles feels that way and doesn't know what a friend I was to him 
Um, but I hope, hopefully, you know, because he spent a lot of time talking to Dolan about Charles after that incident, right? That Charles had at the at the, at the garden, and and he just said, um, you know, I, I hope to mend that. So I, I think the way Patrick played, you know, everyone had this idea of a surly cat, um, you know, a, a hard to approach cat, um, you know. But I just think he, I think he was one of the um, most loyal. Um, you know, he's the guy you want to be in the foxhole with. Yeah. And yeah. the fact, the fact that he's a freaking avatar, I mean, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, but just, uh, you know, I, I, sensitive, uh, you know, um, you know, which, which again, you, most people probably don't get a chance to, 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 um, to, to, um, to see. Um, uh, but I think like a lot of guys on that level, like those top 50 guys, um, you know, um, they, they have their circle and, you know, um, I think they, you know, you, you probably see more, but a private dude, like we were roommates for two years, guys. Um, and I had the big room in, 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 in the suite. I always like to say that, like, like he had this little <laughs> itty bitty room and I had the big room. Give him the seven foot. And, and, and I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care because the beautiful thing about Georgetown, what it also taught me a life lesson is seniority matters, yo. Yeah. Like, like when you walk in the room, um, you should look for the guy that's been there the longest. And you want to peep his technique, right? Yeah. You you want to okay because he's been here the longest. So either he has been there because he's really good at what he does, or he's been there because he's stealing or he knows the hustle. Um, Georgetown was a very much very much senior oriented. Um, like when you got there as a freshman, you were carrying the bags. Patrick was carrying the bags, the additional bags. Now, don't get me wrong. There was, there was reality and, and it was, it, it was logical. If, if, if there was another freshman and you didn't get that bag before Patrick and Patrick got ice back on his knees, Big John's looking at you like you're a fucking idiot, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah. So, you know, just, yeah, just uh, look. The fact that he is was 0-20 in the Big East last year, and this is someone sound crazy, um, couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah. Like, because this dude's not going to give up. Like, the talk of him stepping down? <laughs> 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 yeah, okay, right. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the, the thought that he's going to settle for this, you know, no. So, yeah, I'm I'm on record as saying if Patrick could coach the way he played, his teams would be incredible. Um, I don't know how the players would like it because, I, I mean, I, he took me around. Um, he took me around to meet his players when he initially got the job. And um, um, Jamarco Pickett was still there. And um, the conversation he had with Jamarco Pickett about – something that he wasn't doing on, on campus. I almost, almost, I turned my neck real quick. I thought I saw Coach Thompson. I mean, I was oh, wow. like, wow. I said, dude, you can't talk to those kids like that now. <laughs> <laughs> do that. You can't do that. Yeah, it's, so, a, it's, a, it's a little different these days. A little, a little different. Uh, we, we, we can't raise our kids the way we were raised. It no, doesn't work, no. right? <laughs> no. So, so, yeah, I, I, I got to think that's, probably the most challenging for him. Um, but again, I, I'm very open and very honest. I love Patrick to death. 
my biggest concern is is what he surrounds himself with. Yeah. You know, I, I saw something the other day with Larry Brown and the, the coaches that he's he's had in his in his tree. Um, and that's why, you know, like Popovich has been in Larry Brown's coaching tree. That's that's nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, so my deal with Patrick is surround yourself with people that are going to challenge you. Like you can't have people around you that are are, are in awe of Patrick Ewing. Um, those people won't be good for him. Um, right. So that, that 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 that's always going to be my concern. Um, but yeah, the stories that I think I think enough is known about him. But people just got to know, um, you know this dude is inc- incredibly approachable. Um, but you know he has a code. He has a moral fiber. He has character. Yeah, um, and uh, he's a stand-up guy. You played in the famous goaltend game where Patrick is going up and goaltending and just yeah. beating up every single shot. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I got to ask. Who came up with that game plan? Like, was that his idea? Did Coach Thompson come up with that? I mean, did you know that was going to happen, or was that just something Patrick was doing? Who came up with that idea? And and do you think it worked? Did you think the intimidation factor worked? Well, James Worthy was a grown ass man. No, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> that didn't bother James. I I I, I think. And, and again, I, I mentioned how um, I don't know if I did it in the pregame or while we while we've been on. Coach had had different relationships with each player. Like we had, we had codes, we had rules, we had, you know, if one guy did something wrong, we all suffered. So that the punishment was going to be dealt out expeditiously amongst the group. But by the same token, he didn't talk to me the way he talked to, to Freddie. Um, so that could have been something that he shared with Patrick or uh, he told Patrick to do it. Patrick, Patrick is on record as saying that coach, Coach said, yo, throw everything up out of there. Let them know you're there. Um, um, so, yeah, it, it could have been a strategy, but it certainly wasn't talked about in the locker room. What was talked about in the locker room is they don't want us here. Right. What was talked about in the locker room was, okay, this is, this is about more than just you. He started naming players that came before us and how we're carrying them on our shoulders. Um, that was – what was talked about. Uh, so strategy at that point in time, fellas, you know, is, is out the window. Um, yeah. But I do think after the first block, um, it became apparent that, uh, yeah, man, keep doing it. Like, yo, just because it, it, it was one of those things, they're not seeing the ball go through the hoop. Um, you know, and, and, you know, if you say, we talked about playground blacktop basketball, shit, you get your shot blocked like that, Ain't yeah. nobody calling goaltenders, that, 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 and that's in your that's on your dome, right? So uh, yeah, I, I, it, it it definitely didn't work uh, because again, like I said, I mean those those guys were you know that was a pro team. Yeah. Look at that team they had. Um, but um, yeah, so if it was a strategy, it, it didn't necessarily backfire. I, I think it just added uh, another chapter to that game. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that was an incredible game. Yeah, and going back to that, I mean, not to bring up bad memories, but Michael Jordan, I mean, he obviously hit the big shot. And I think it's always interesting to ask our guests what their first impression of Michael was. And, I mean, you're really our first guest who got to go up against him in college on a kind of a big stage like that. So what was your first impression of him, and did you ever believe that he'd become who he became? You, He didn't play like a freshman. Um, I, I do know we talked about him in the scouting report. Um but but certainly, um, you know, again, you just knew he was a talented freshman. And we had talented freshmen. Um, 
you know, I, 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 there's no way you can imagine that, you know, that you're playing against the goat and this guy's going to be a goat. Um, um, but the, the, he just walked, you know, Jay-Z got that, that, that bar, uh, walk like a ball, talk like a ball player, walk like a ball player. Jordan, you could just tell he was like, he was just in heaven. Like he was just, he was just, you know, built to do this. And again, you're not thinking about that, that like on the competitive level, but if I go back to then, it was just like, yo, this dude's a freshman. Yeah. You know? And uh, so it was just one of those things. I do have an interesting Michael Jordan story. No, please tell us. Um, and this fast forward, this fast forward, it's not that interesting, but this is a personal tip. Um, so um, I, I get drafted in 84. Um, and this, you remember like your social security number. I was the first player in the fifth round, 96 overall. That, that's pretty freaking good for a guy who had only one scholarship offer. Pat right. myself on the back, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm playing in the Midwest Summer League with the Indiana Pacers. I'm drafted by the Indiana Pacers. And so we all know that's the year Jordan comes out as well, 84. So Jordan is playing for the Chicago Bulls in the Summer League. They go up on us about 20 or something. Like, they're, they're killing us. And, you know, much like today, without a th- even without a three, you get up big in the league, the other team's going to relax. It's, it's theater. It's theater. So long story short, we come back. I don't know if we won or lost, but all I know is I ripped Michael Jordan. And I have the picture of me, of me, never to be seen in public, though. It will never be seen in public. I have the, I have the picture of me laying it up. An offensive picture of that, me laying it up with him behind me. No said. Nice. <laughs> no said. Now, with the bull, with the bull jersey on, and I got my Indiana Pacers jersey. Enough said. <laughs> so let me ask: you have the picture. Why can't you show us? Is this like the last oh, dance cu- saying oh, that you can't is, show it? Or? Is, nobody would ever believe me. <laughs> oh, they say photoshopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly, superimposed, Photoshop. I'm not going for that. That's personal. I'll keep that with the. I love myself. it. That's great. You know, uh, there's there's a famous play that I have to ask you about. Um, Fred Brown, I mean, throwing the ball away in the backcourt. And uh, we've all made plays like that. Unfortunately, that happened in a big moment. And mm-hmm. as his teammate and as the team captain, how do you and your teammates help him through something like that? Because that's a play that's going to stick with you a long time. So I'm just curious how you as a captain, as the team, were kind of there for him to help him move past that. So that was my sophomore year. And so I wasn't captain. Um, I was just uh, a sophomore um, and I was, you know, I, I got injured um, at the beginning of the year. Uh, I had a stress fracture. So, you know, Eric, I had crutches like you, like, like that they're showing over there. I know uh-huh. what that crutch life is about. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I used it everywhere I could, Eric, everywhere I could. Yep. Um, um, so that was a, that was an interesting season for me because I had my freshman year, um, I started the last eight games in the season, which again, mind blowing, right? Um, given what I've shared, it was mind blowing. So I came into my sophomore year uh, thinking, okay, I, I can get some minutes here and to go down. And then, you know, basically, you know, I was, I was a bench guy and, you know, uh, maybe going back to why, why coach made me captain. I was a bench guy and I stayed involved. I stayed ready. Like I was, I was up. Because that was the tradition of Georgetown. We always had an active vocal bench. Um, so so I, I stayed ready. 
Um, but it was, um, you know, I, 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 I remember vividly the, 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 the bench. And I remember vividly Coach Thompson hugging uh, Freddie. And, it, you know, again, it, that season was such a, a one of reckoning. Like, we kicked in the door as a program. Um, so, and again, we had that conversation about this is bigger than us. So all this is running through your head. So, and Freddie was such an, uh, he, was, he, was, he was bananas his, his sophomore year. He was bananas, like. Um, I, I don't know what his plus minus was, but it had to be insane. Um, he did, he was doing everything on the court. Um, and you know, he had a great game, the Louisville game, the, the, the final four game. So it was just, you know, coach took the lead by embracing him. So that, that, that kind of set the tone. Um, and you know, Fred, Fred and I had definitely a, more of a competitive relationship, more of a respectful relationship. He's a New York guy. I'm a DC guy. So of course there's bravado. So I'll deal with more based on respect. So it was, you know, I'm certain everyone on that team uh, consoled him in their own way. Um, but, but Fred was also a cat who had broad shoulders. Um, and, and I think, you know, uh, he handled it as best he could. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but um, again, it was one of those deals where um, the, the outreach certainly took place right away. Um, but it was, uh yeah, yeah. Like I said, like like I mentioned, the fact that we got that got back in '84 to me lets me know that the, that the world is a is a good place because I would hate for him to have to live with that. But oh, yeah. but again, let, let me interject another story. In the in the '80 '84 run, our our opening game in the NCAA, we're playing against SMU, and they had John K- Conkak at the time. I don't know if you remember John. Conkak. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 John, John Contract, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's even better. Uh, that's even better. Um, he, um, uh, where the score is 36 35. That, that was a blood fest. And it's a minute to go or whatever. And we're, you know, we're playing D, whatever. And we get the possession. I get fouled. I'm a, I'm a career. 68% free throw shooter. And that's just because I didn't have that many attempts, right? It would have been worse than that had more attempts. <laughs> and I get fouled. I go to the foul line, one and one. This is our opening game in the NCAA. We're a one seed. They may be a, I don't know what they were back then, maybe a six seed, a seven seed, whatever. I know, I know we only had 64 teams back then. Um, and I missed the front end. And Thank goodness Patrick had went to coach and said, yo, can I get on the foul line? Because we usually had Patrick in the back because we were going to press. And he wasn't underneath. For the, he said, coach, can I go up and be on the foul line? Coach agreed, which, again, what, what, what doesn't get said about coaches in game, he listens to his players. Now, it depends on who the player is, right? But right, he right. listens to his players. So Patrick gets on the foul line. Obviously, I missed the obviously I missed the front end. He taps it in. We went 37-36. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. If we lose that game, dude. Like yeah. Yeah. I, again, don't get me wrong. I think they win in 85. I think that's why we lost in 85 because he tapped that joint in at 84. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. It's true though. It's amazing how the ball bounces, right? It's amazing Man. that it's amazing that uh you know, that foresight that Ewing has 
you know, going, Gene's going to miss this shot. Can I be on the foul line to tip it in? <laughs> right. Both you both you and Zach would have said Gene's going to miss that shot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so well, we talked about the draft. You know, we talked about where you got drafted. A lot of – maybe a lot of the younger listeners don't know. It, it's, it was more than two rounds back then, right? You know, yes. you, you it go – It was nine. It was nine, yes. Nine. So you go, you go summer, summer league, play with the Pacers. Um, do you end up overseas? Because I know overseas was not a big thing back then. Did you end up overseas back then? No, I, um, I again, I wasn't, I wasn't looking to do the, the hoop thing. Yeah. Um, but I got the bug, obviously, and and the fact that I made it all the way through veterans camp was was amazing, right? Sure, sure. Like the fact that two two days before the opening game, I'm still in practice. I get I get through veterans camp and. You know, I hear about Coach Thompson. You know, Coach Thompson's words to me were, were enjoy the experience. I think I got a $500 bonus or something for coming to camp. His deal was enjoy, enjoy the experience and bring your ass home after you get cut. <laughs> and, then, then, and then I found out many years later, he was telling everyone in practice, you fucking watch. He's going to make that team. Never said that to me. Right, right. But meanwhile, he was telling them in practice that eighty-five team, he's gonna fucking make it. What was it? I was just I was just asking if you ended up playing overseas because I know no, like back it, then it wasn't a big big thing. So it wasn't a big thing. So I had one more tryout with the Seattle SuperSonics uh, because of Bernie Bickerstaff. He was a DC guy. He brought okay. me in, and that was the year Xavier McDaniel was a rookie. Okay. Um, and then um, yeah, after that. Um, Sandwiched in there somewhere. I had a trial with the Raiders for for football that I don't tell many people. Really? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. They brought me in as a DB. And wow. Uh, I mean, I had I had a couple offers, inquiries when I was when I was graduating. Yeah. Uh, from the Cowboys, um, and I think Cowboys and the Broncos. Um, and you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about playing football. I never played. I, I hadn't played football since Pee Wee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess if I look at the way I played, I could see the translation. <laughs> sure, sure. Absolutely. What was your 40? Do you remember your 40 back then? No, I don't, no. Come on now. I, I would be lying. <laughs> you know what my 40 was, Eric? Relentless. Yeah. Relentless. There you go. <laughs> that, yeah, because Al, Al was all about speed back then, right? I mean, Willie Galt yes. played track, and he didn't play football, and he played for the Raiders, and – there was definitely guys. Fernandez was another one of those track star guys that he picked up. He was he was going for the speed for sure. So it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's pretty cool. What do you? What did you end up wanting to do after basketball was over? Did you have an idea, or is it something you just kind of fell into? Like, uh, not exactly. Um, I just knew having been um, at a school like Georgetown, you know, you had a lot of people. You know, success breeds success. So you had a lot of people um, who were planning on being successful in life and came from success. Sure. So I, I kind of picked up that bug, um, you know, having Coach Thompson with the deflated basketball as a constant reminder, like, yo, it's bigger than just this. Uh, and I was a government, I majored in government, minor in philosophy. And I majored in government because of Eric Floyd. Um, um, you know, I, I, another great story I like to tell is, um, you know, it was kind of like a confirmation for me that I was, I was doing something right. Um, um, I worked on Capitol Hill, um, um, my, my junior, senior year 
or yes, the summers of my junior, senior year. And freshman, sophomore year, I worked at the gym on campus. And I took that opportunity to work on my game. And, you know, all of a sudden, Sleepy starts showing up. And I was like, I'm the, skill-wise, and I'm being honest, guys, skill-wise, I was the worst guy on the team. Basketball skill-wise. The All-American is showing up to work out with me. Um, and we forged a friendship, you know. Um, and, you know, Sleep's two years older than me. We had some other interest, common interests. Um, and though it was war. It was war. Like, and our deal was one-on-one but full court one-on-one. So when you go on full court one-on-one, the, 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 you know, it kind of almost levels the playing field. Oh, yeah. And, and you're, you're playing with a cat who doesn't get tired. So, you know, I mean, and the fact that, you know, you know, Sleep's thinking, if I can put up with this cat, damn me up, because this cat wants to play D. Shit, yeah. there's going to be smooth sailings once, I, once, <laughs> once the season starts. And this is in the summertime. And, you know, so, you know, naturally we started hanging out afterwards. And, you know, I started picking his brain. He was a government major. So that kind of piqued my interest. Um, so I was, I was thinking about law school. I was thinking about you know, politics on some level. Um, but what happened is once I, after, once I graduated, like any other kid, I kind of wanted to, wanted to take a deep breath. Um, and I, and I took, a, took a lot. Of, I had like five. I was a Jamaican. I took like five jobs. I was <laughs> doing everything. Um, and, 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 and somehow another coach Thompson found out about it because he knows everything is going on in the city. Um, and let me just back up for a second. Yeah, sure. Coach made it very clear. Once you finish your four years here, if you didn't accomplish everything you need to accomplish for, the, for on this campus, shame on you. So don't come back here you know, <laughs> expected anything like, yo, it's on to the next. So he made that, you know, very clear. Um, so I got out and I got my hustle. On. I started to, you know, I wish I understood networking more back then, uh, which is, which is what I share with any current Georgetown Hoyer I talk to, like take advantage now, like you're, you're, you can maximize now, right? Because once you grab, once you graduate there, it's the new crew coming in. Um, so um, coach found out about me, you know, doing all these odd jobs. And I got a call from Mary Finland, again, the academic coordinator. Rest in peace, Miss Finland. And she told me about Nike. Now, this is 1985, 86. Um, and um, I remember my first interview was supposed to be about a job in Boston. And Nike was, you know, up, obviously up and coming then. Nike, Nike started in '72. Yeah, like, and then '85 was like right when Jordan, like right when the Air Jordans hit. So it's like, yeah, yeah. correct, but correct. So I, um, you know, wound up Boston, Memphis, Oregon. I'm buying underwear in the airport, which again, you know, I wasn't complaining, like whatever it took. So that was '86. I started with Nike in '86 from 1986 to 2008. Wow. 22 years. Wow. Um, it was, uh, it was quite a ride. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was like when I think of NIL, right. Um, because I, I spent the 
the most of my career in sales. Uh, I worked over, I did some product development. Um, but the thing about working for Nike, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a branding company way before anyone else knew what branding was all totally, about. It totally. was a market. It was a, it was a marketing company, but they understood sales matters. Um, like you can, you can have all the cute shit you want, but at the end of the day, how much product can you move? With? Um, so, so for me, it was, yeah, it was almost like, sir, look, I, 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 I repped the brand because of big John, right. At, at Georgetown, we were a Nike school. And the fact that I got the opportunity to work there was, was kind of cool. Um, but it, from the business side, it was, it was, it was incredible because I was able to merge the two. Um, but it was a, you know, an incredible run. Um, I still have issues with us being a Jordan school. Like that doesn't work for me. I, mean, you know, Jordan, I, I can't, I can't get my head around that. Right. But, you know, again, no, nobody asked me, um, but yeah, it, 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 again, I think that the, the universe works for those who, you know, you're ready when, when, when it, when it comes your way. And, you know, I always pride myself on not leaving any stone unturned. Um, which is why, you know, um, you know, when you guys reached out to, um, you know, to, to get together, that's cool. But I, but first thing I did was jump, jumped on your podcast and, and checked you guys out. Nice. You know, which is, which is, which is again, that's that's scouting, right? That's sure. You know, that that's being being prepared. Um, so it was just, uh, you know, the Nike deal was was awesome, man. Like I can't I can't say enough good things. Um, um, and, and incredibly appropriate. It felt right. Sure, uh, sure. Nike, Nike, Nike was really good at ha- hiring um, former athletes as well, so they were smart. Which is which is really smart. Hey, you said this earlier in the show, and I want to hit back on this real quick. Um, can we talk a little bit about Hoya Locker Room? Because you said you were the worst about promoting yourself. So. I'm, the, I'm the worst. I'm the complete worst. Yeah. yeah so so now, now you can promote yourself. We want to hear all about it. Yeah, so tell us <laughs> well, what motivated you to start it and, and what you want your listeners to know, uh, our listeners to know about it. I just want to start with this. Nobody asked me for anything. Like nobody. The the thing I love about um, um, Georgetown and and the legacy of Georgetown and what Big John left. um, If I didn't ask you to help and I don't thank you, uh, you should understand that. You know, it's it's one of those deals. So, uh, you know, it's like I didn't it was in my mind to what can I do to support Patrick getting the gig? That was my initial thought, right? Not knowing that he would be on 20 in the big East one year at, at some point in time. Right. Um, and Patrick didn't, doesn't need my help. Um, but it just became uh, one of those deals. Well, I, I want to help this dude. Right. I want, I want, I want it, I want there to be a narrative available um, that people can understand uh, what the program is about because, you know, Georgetown University, Georgetown basketball program is not very good at promoting the program. And I say that with love. Like, I'm not saying that to challenge them to go out and do, to do anything differently because, again, nobody's asking me. Um, but it just became one of those deals where I wanted to help Patrick. And then it morphed into Big John passed away. So then it became even more of shit. Um, the school doesn't really talk about us in a way that to me captures what I think you guys get, right? You, yeah. you understand, it's, it, particularly Zach expressed it. 
uh, and that his dad was a fan. So it's just one of those that I wanted that that story uh, to still resonate on some level. If you think about it, um, there's never been a 30 for 30 on Georgetown. There's never been a Showtime sports or anything of that nature. There's one book that was written when he passed away. Um, so it's just one of those deals where it just became apparent to me that, you know, I don't care if I have 10, 10 views. Um, this is authentic. This is original. Um, and this gives every player that's come through the program the opportunity, if they want, uh, to tell their story. Because I think the Hoya program, the Georgetown University program, is unique in and of itself. Um, and I mentioned no 30 for 30, but you got a 30 for 30 on UNLV. You got right. a 30 for 30 on the Fab Five. Right. You got a 30 for 30 on Arkansas. And they're all deserving. But sure. you can't tell me a team that goes to three Final Fours in five years. And we all know if we win one other, we win another chip. If we win that back-to-back chip, you damn sure will have a 30 for 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and, and, and then you, you, you start with the impact that Coach Thompson had on the game, the college yeah. game. Um, I think, again, that, 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 that speaks for itself. Uh, we were fortunate enough on Hoya Locker. As you can see, I'm not promoting my show at all. <laughs> <laughs> we were fortunate to have um, Nolan Richardson and George Raveling on. Like, that's mind-blowing to me. And, and, and I couldn't thank those guys enough because I told them, this might only get 100 views, but thank you. It, it, it means a lot. Yeah. And, and, and to hear Nolan Richardson talk about Big John, like – he described Big John as the guy who took the pain away, the guy who took the hurt away. And he went on to say, you know, when you're walking and the road is gravelly and the, the, the stones and pebbles or whatever, Big John came through and smoothed that out for everybody. I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's deep. And I, and I, and I got to tell you, I'm sure – Back then, those other black coaches couldn't stand Big John just because he wasn't that fuzzy, warm and fuzzy guy. He's like, nope. get your shit in order. Right. Get your program in order. There's only been one black person that has been president of the Black Coaches Association. Is that not fucking mind boggling? It's not right. And that was, and that's Big John. And if you look at the Black Coaches Association now, it's non-existent. Yeah. So I only say that to say because what's so interesting about Big John is um, Big John wasn't about paying players until, you know, really later on in life. Like he had this interesting, you know, because he knows if if you're paying guys, he's got less control. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, that's the reality. So, you know, he wasn't this he wasn't Pope John. He wasn't St. John. He was very selfish in in his motivation, as a lot as most successful people are. Um, So, um, yeah, again, I'm lost. No, you know what? Like (laughs) you can you can say you're lost, but like I am I'm so enjoying this memory lane trip because if you think about it and here's your 30 for 30 right here. You have Ewing, 
you have morning and you have Matumbo all in a row, essentially. Like there's your 30 for 30 right there. You could do a show on alone. You have Alan Iverson. I mean, you have what that fall four Hall of Famers right there, like in a, in a, in a span of what, 10 years, you know, that played that played for him. I mean, the way that the, the players looked at him, like you said, you know, he didn't he didn't want to be a role model. I'm not talking I'm putting him in the Charles Barkley camp, but it's like right. if you're a role model, you don't have to say you're a role model. Like it's just an understood thing, like we talked about earlier in the conversation. And I think that was the thing for me. It was like he seemed like an an intimidator when I was a kid, but at the same time, he seemed like he cared so much about you guys as players. And I think that came across on the TV when you'd watch those games, when you watch a Big East tournament, when you watch, you know, the, the big dance. You'd see, you know, he wasn't afraid. Him and like, uh, you know, um, John Chaney is another coach that that reminds me. You know what I mean? Where you can tell it was like he cared about his players and he was he was tough. And I think I think those things are important because the things you're probably learning later on about Big John is that that guy basically molded you into a man. You didn't even realize it. And later on in your life is when all these things just start peppering into your head, just going, oh, wow. Like, I did this because of that lesson or that thing that he taught me that I didn't even realize was a lesson. Am I, am I correct on that? I, I, you, had, you, you touched on so many things. and I, I, It's like I wanted to interrupt, but I didn't because you, it, it's nice hearing it um, framed from – um, an external source, right? Like, so I, I, I love the way you framed it. It made me think about all of the legendary Big East coaches back then. Yeah. You know, Cats, you know, you Carter mentioned Chaney, Seca, Massimino, yeah, uh, Carlissimo, Raleigh, um, yep, yep. yeah, yeah, all, yeah, all, all these guys, and they ran their programs with similar, similar passion, yeah, um, yeah. Great era of basketball, man. You were Great. you were so blessed to play in an era of basketball where, I mean, that Big East. I mean, really, eighties, nineties Big East. Derek Coleman, Kenny, and uh, not Kenny Anderson. Derek Coleman, Sherman Douglas. I mean, there's so many great players. You know, uh, Chris Mullen, Mark Jackson. Yeah. You know, there's so many great players in the, in in that time period. I mean, it's the, the, the way you the way you dropped it was hard for me to follow up. I'm sorry. No, man, <laughs> yeah, no, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Hey, before we let you go, and and really, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. Um, is there anything that you want to add or promote before we let you out of here? Nothing at all, other than what you guys are doing. I think is great. Um, I, I I don't know how you guys came upon this. I don't know how long you've been doing that. I didn't go that deep into to my research. Um, I just hope you continue because uh, your range of guests are phenomenal. Um, I, I was really impressed. I'm looking forward to chopping it up with, uh, you know, I'm look, looking forward to listening to a few more of your podcasts. Um, but yeah, not, nothing to promote other than, you know, it's, it's really good to listen to um, um, individuals um, that come at it from, I think, uh, uh, um, uh, interest level of, you know, letting their guests shine, but also the understanding that you guys um, seem to allow and to, 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 to present, I think it's just great. So yeah, this was awesome, man. This was just awesome chopping I up with you. Really appreciate that, man. We're both big basketball fans. Just to give you a little backstory. We, uh, we met playing morning ball 
and he was always talking okay. about putting a podcast together. And I was like, all right, man, whatever, let's do it. And because I'm that type of guy where it's like, show me you want to do it, you know. And then mm. he 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 comes to basketball one morning. He's like, he's like, all right, I bought like seven hundred dollars worth of gear. Let's do it. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, all right, let's do it. So I was like, well, there's there's they're showing me that he wants to do it. And uh, we started doing it right before the pandemic. And then uh, it was just amazing. Because I think a lot of people couldn't do anything for the pandemic, so we started getting some pretty big guests right off the bat, which surprised the heck out of us. And right. uh, so we've been doing it a little over two years now, man. But it's been, uh, like I said, we, you know, he coaches, he coaches basketball. You know, I, I stopped growing at six foot one, so my basketball career did not go as long as I wanted it to. But we both love the same era of basketball for the most part. So, and we love just hearing stories. And and if we can, you know, if we can pass on those stories to our listeners, I mean, that's that's the most important thing. And, and well, well, don't 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 hesitate if, uh, if there's anyone you think in my world that I can help you with. Just shoot me a note, and I'll uh, you know, obviously, I'll try to connect. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big ask, Eric. I'm, I'm just saying. Well, was that was that? I haven't got the Mahoya locker room yet, so I certainly can't help you. <laughs> hey. And hey, we've, we, had we, son, we've had his son on. We've had his son on. It was, it was super yes. cool. Super cool. Oh, I didn't dude. see. I, I, okay. Which episode is that? Oh, it's uh, somewhere in there. <laughs> season, okay. It's in season two somewhere. Season okay. Two. If you yeah. guys can send that to me, oh, I'll, I'll try to find it myself. But I'd love to hear that one. Because yeah. we, we had Junior on as well. We had yeah. Junior on as well. Yeah, he's oh, I'm sorry. Guy. I apologize. We had Pat Junior on as well. Doesn't like to be called Junior. Doesn't like to be called <laughs> as, as most Juniors don't. Right, right, right. <laughs> No, he was great. I'll send that for you for sure. But uh, I did I did just want to thank you. Uh, this was really fun for me. Like I said, my dad was a big Georgetown fan, and I watched a lot of your games growing up. He made me watch a lot of those Georgetown teams. So this was an honor for me. So I just really appreciate you and your time. So thank you. I want I want to tell you what sold me, because, you know, you, you get people hitting you up, and, you, you know, obviously that, that's a gift and a curse. That's a beautiful thing about today's time. You can just reach out. But, you know, we talked about guys that, you know, I maybe looked up to a pattern myself after, uh, again, which, which, you know, again, I'm, I, I stopped growing at six, one, two, Eric. So I got, I had the same disease, but Ricky Sobers, the fact that you guys talked to Ricky Sobers, I was done. Nice. Ricky Sobers was a monster. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like I'm talking no holes barred, dude, on both sides of the court. Like, you know, I, I, one, one thing I always loved about New York guards, uber competitive, right, on both ends. So if they do you on one end, they're still trying to lock you up on the other end. So I just want to let you know, you guys keep getting guests like that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be promoting you guys on this. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. We appreciate that. Yeah, our, our, our guest is just like a random grab out of a basketball card box. That's the way that we like to – that's yes. a good way to say yeah. that too, man. Because we'll yeah. see stuff and they'll go, "You got Shea Cotton on?" You had, <laughs> you know, or they'll, they'll just start throwing names. They'll go, you know, like some of the guys that we've had on. They're like, and you, you know, or Oscar Schmidt. Like I'll get random people going, "Whoa, really? You got Oscar Schmidt on?" Or you got, you know, or Chris Heron was another great episode we had. I mean, Chris just Chris talking about like how far his addictions went to where he's in a Boston Celtics warm up jersey buying drugs outside the boston garden before i mean and that guy was so gracious with his time too we're just very we're grateful man we just we love ball and we like i said we try to keep it 
you know, not hot take-ish and whatnot, and just really want to hear people's stories and what they want to give us, if that makes sense. You know, let me let me ask you guys a question. Do you sure. find it? Do you find it difficult when you're not, as you mentioned, Eric, not doing the the hot take-ish shit? If you're not doing the the story that you know uh, elicits, you know, you know, TMV type stuff. Do you do you find it difficult? Um, um, no, you know, okay, not at all. I, not at all. I, I find it easier, honestly, because I feel like spreading the positivity and teaching the youth about, you know, basketball and the history of the game is a lot more interesting than, you know, the hot takes, honestly. Like, I feel like there's so much history in basketball that isn't talked about enough. I mean, like guys like you or guys like, you know, the Shea Cottons or, you know, guys that really, you know, aren't appreciated enough. That's what we really want to shine light on. You know, all the big names are great, but we really want the guys that really made a huge difference on the game or team or you know, whatever it is that have interesting stories. That's really where we, come yeah. And, and, and that, yeah, it's yeah. easy to, it's easy to take that road. But to me, like, you know, Zach said, I'll just echo it. It's it, to me, it's more interesting to learn about, you know, like, because we, whoever we talk to, we always get a good story about the time period we love about basketball. Like, you know, we'll get a good Paul Pierce story or like a, an Antoine Walker story where he took, and I forget the guest we had on, he took him into the city and he was just like, just buy whatever you want in the store, like taking care of him, knowing, he, you know, he's a rookie, he's probably not going to make the team, like taking care of him that way. Like those type of stories you hear or, you know, the competitive nature or like hearing, you know, like Stackhouse and Iverson almost going to blows in practice. So those stories we just get. And I think people within a couple minutes of talking to us realize, oh, these guys really just love, you know, like perfect example, I was watching the NFL stuff yesterday and I don't watch TV much and um, laid up in bed, you know, on my broken, broken ass foot <laughs> and I'm watching the TV and I literally could, I got through five minutes of the TV show because it was so like stupid where you're just like, this is just, you're just blabbering out stuff just for ratings and you're giving me nothing content wise. I just turned off the TV and just ate in silence and I enjoyed the silence better and <laughs> it's sad. Well, right? I, I will, I, there's two things. I, I, I watch most games with the sound off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, 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 I can't listen to the commentator. And I wanted to ask you if you've watched uh, the Stephen A. Smith, mad dog. I can't do uh, him. Scenario. I can't, they, I can't do him. How about you, Zach? I, I see clips on social media, but I don't actually sit down and watch those shows. I don't. Yeah, but I, I've yeah. seen clips, and I see, yeah, I, I see plenty of clips to not want to watch it. <laughs> the only thing I can tell you that the only thing that's good about it is that they deserve each other. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I, only that's the only thing I can tell you is the fact that they're spewing on each other. Perfect. I wish they would have thought about that a long time ago. Because right. everything else, they no, no one else can, can compete with that bullshit. So I'm glad they're going back and forth. And I have a Stephen A. Smith story this year. Oh, please do. <laughs> Bonafide <laughs> scrub, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Eric already knows it's not, it's not, it's not a positive Stephen A. Brown. <laughs> there's not many of those out there. I mean, come no, on. there's not. So, so I'm going to send you, are you guys on IG at all? Yeah. yeah. If you're yeah. not on, if you give uh, it, it, under your name, you're on IG under your handle. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll I'll send you I'll send you what I'm what I'm referencing on IG. So Stephen A. Smith goes on this tangent about he's talking to Muggsy Bogues, and he somehow or another 
interjects Gene Smith into the conversation. And fellas, he did this on three separate occasions. So finally, my wife says to me, what are you going to do about that? I said to her, absolutely nothing. She said, but you do understand he's referenced you on three separate occasions. So, again, it's, it's nothing to me to put together or to have someone help me put together a video, a quick video or something. So I put together like a one-minute video. And at the end, I put my, all my information. And I said to Stephen A., if you, I'm very easy to get a hold of. If you'd like to talk to me about the things you're talking about, here's my, here's my joint. And I sent it to his people. You know, I DM'd them, blah, blah, blah. You already know the rest of the story. Fucking crickets. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So why is my name coming out of your mouth? Yeah. One time, cool. Two times, that's kind of intentional. Third time, yo, man, I'm like Will Smith. Keep my name. <laughs> <laughs> because those guys, you know what? I'll be honest with you. And then I'll let you get out of here because I know, you know, you got the little fellas, one right there. Fellas, we put him to sleep. <laughs> I don't even know how we did that. <laughs> How about this? The poor kid is used to it. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, guys like Stephen A. Smith don't care about the game. And I think that's where we get into the problem of it's more about the take and it's more about yelling and arguing than understanding, listening to the people that played the game, listening to people that understand the game, listen, you know, respecting those people and understanding what what they can give to a conversation. And I think that's where we are so bass backwards and sports talk radio and so bass backwards and all that other stuff is you have just people throwing around their opinions everybody has to have an opinion and all this other stuff and to me it's like just give me a guy that played let me pick his brain let me find out more and let me just enjoy the conversation i don't need to talk over you like just give me the conversation and then hopefully we put it out into the world and more people listen to that and if, if that becomes something where i mean we charged in like 20 countries or something crazy like 22 countries now or, or something nuts like that so it's like it's working well, and it's cool to see that people are listening. You know what I mean? Because that's all we want is we want to do it because we love basketball. But we wanted to put a good show together where people could enjoy it and have an alternative to screaming A. Smith and all those other guys just yelling at you. And, and I just, I'm not a fan of that, that type of stuff, if that yeah. makes sense, you know? It's like when, when, when I – and I don't want to make this uh, 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 about um, Stephen A., um, or Mad Dog or anybody. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but it, but but it's when when I heard him say, "I make just as much money as the guys that are playing," I I just wanted to be on his shoulder and tap him and go. So you realize, if there was no game, you'd be you'd be doing some other shit. So you, right. you're not bigger than the game, dude. You're 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 accoutrement. Right. You're you're you, you know, yes, you bring value, particularly in the world we live in today. But, you, you know, but but people embrace that bravado bullshit. Right. That misguided bravado. You know, yeah. so I hope he hears that. I Because I've told this story a couple of times. Uh, please feel free, because the fact that my name was coming out your mouth didn't seem right to me. That's why I never thought about it. I was just like, this is some bullshit. Yeah. Um, but my wife, again, who who met me 
you know, far removed from basketball. Um, she just said, you know, don't you think this is cool? I said to her, no, it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. You know, the dude that him talking about a guy who played the way I played, I think for him it was more about, you know, the fact that Pearl shook me up and whatever, whatever, not understanding that, and Zach will get this, not understanding that that, that was that was one of my one of my moves. Shake yeah. me up, and you have no idea I'm coming right behind you to get a little tip. Oh yeah, you're gonna little, beat them little, to the spot and make them travel. Boom. But no, I'll let you get by me. And come from behind, a little tip, ball, that's a possession. I'm a possession yeah. guy. So yeah. it was just one of those things where, like, yeah, no, it's not a cool deal. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to get your guys' uh, take on that because I, 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 I believe in uh, um, experiencing everything on some level. And, you know, sometimes you want to be removed. Uh, and you, know, so you definitely want to have gloves on. But I, but I just like to try to, so I can have a comment, right? Like, yeah. because I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm 60 years old now, and um, I, um, you know, I, I, I embrace that from from the perspective of I've seen a lot, I've heard a lot, I've done a lot. You know, my, my journey's been full, um, and I know bullshit. Yeah, yeah. We all do. We all do. And, and you guys are not that. So I appreciate I, that. I want to thank you very much. Appreciate that very much. Hey, thanks again for coming on the show. Stay safe out there. Really appreciate your time. Appreciate you both. What a fun episode that was. You know, I always love talking Big East basketball, especially the, the time period where I grew up watching it. And there was just so many amazing players that turned into Hall of Fame type players from from that league. And uh, Gene was just amazing. You know, just just shooting from the hip real 100% real and just telling some great stories man I really enjoyed having them on yeah one of the realest guests we've ever had and one of the most one of the more fun guests we've had and I really like those game changers those guys that you know come off the bench and really just change the energy of the game and he did that with defense and a lot of guys do it with offense he did it with defense and like I referenced before the hip turn in the sprint just beating guys to a spot instead of like you know riding their hip he was one of those guys that would really beat you to the spot and make the defense make mistakes. Even if he didn't get the steal, he would make them travel. He'd make them make a bad mistake. He'd rattle them. He'd draw a charge. I mean, he really was just an amazing defender and uh, just somebody I really looked up to. So it was a lot of fun to pick his brain today. Yeah, man, the eye test is so important. We leave that out too much comparing, you know, generations and all that other stuff. But those type of things that don't make the, the you know, don't make the box score that make a difference. You know what I mean? And, and like you said, you know, you know, you can't you, you go out and, and you play defense. You know, it's like you can have a bad night scoring and whatnot. But if you go out and play defense, you can always play defense. And I thought that was a really great point. You know what I mean? Shooting the ball is a different story. It's going to be nice. It just you just can't make any contact with the rim. It's just constantly going out. You know what I mean? But like defense. You always can give it your all. That's just up to you personally, you know. And I, and I thought that was really smart the way he talked about it. Like, uh, what, what was the word he used for um, for the Hoya paranoia when he was talking about defense? Uh, concern. I thought yeah. that was such a great word. Like, you know, impose concern. Yeah, because it's like think about like you know, and I mean, you deal with this now with coaching, but like, I hated full court press when I was a kid. Yeah. 
it drove me bonkers, man. And it's like one of those things, like, if you're a good team, you can break it pretty easily, I think. You know what I mean? But if you're not a good team, if you got a player or two out there that panics, then that full court press is a nightmare. You know what I yeah. mean? And even if it's just a full court, man, if you're just picking your man up full court, I mean, just the amount of energy oh. that you're making them use night oh. after night. And the one question I wish I would have asked him, I would have loved to know who his toughest cover was out of all those players in the Big East. I should have asked that question, who his toughest cover was. That would have been a great question, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's – with guys like that, though, I wonder if they even have an answer. You know what I mean? Right, you yeah. You know, because it's just one of those things just – He's a lunch pail guy, man. Just brings his lunch to work, gets the shit done, you know. And it was obvious, and and I think we learned so much from him, and and super grateful for his time, how gracious he was with it, and uh, grateful to all you guys listening. I mean, it's it's mind blowing just to see the emails come in where it's you know four different four different countries at at one time charging. You know, it's just it's mind blowing. So everything you guys are doing, the social media, the sharing. You know, uh, iTunes reviews, all that stuff really does make a difference. You can make a difference. You know what I mean? And and by doing that type of stuff, we get you know more people on the show that tell great stories. Like like Gene today told so many great stories. And and if you take the opportunity to listen to the show, you will learn so much more about basketball. Like we talked about at the end, we're not the Stephen A. Smiths and the hot takes and all that stuff. That's the easy way out. And to me, it's just it's such a transparent just waste of your time to me it's more like let's find out about this guy let's find out about this program let's find out about you know people in that era that you might have forgotten about there's just so many there's to me there's so much more important stuff than you know stupid shit that people are just throwing up against a wall well especially a guy like a gene smith there's a lot more kids out there that can relate to a guy like a gene smith than they can like a patrick ewing and that i I think it's really important to learn from these guys like gene smith who you know really only had two scholarship offers and had to fight for their minutes and i mean they're gonna be able to relate a lot more to a guy like that and they're gonna be able to earn minutes learning from a guy like that than you know some of these bigger names that's why i like having the guys like gene smith on i mean oh, game, totally. cha- game changers and they're gonna be life changers for somebody out there listening to this oh absolutely man you it's the greatest point you bring up because it's like look man me and you aren't seven foot you know that that's one thing you're blessed with right but you can work hard and look the guy was a team captain for two years yeah you know think about that you know a team captain at georgetown that's a really big accomplishment that's an accomplishment Absolutely. that, like, how many people can say they've done that? You know, look at all the great players that have played there, that people, even some of the players that you don't even think about that played there. You know, it was a big man you for a while. You know, when you really think about it, there's a lot of players that came through Georgetown, man, a lot of players, and, and it was really an honor to have them on the show. Um, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here, my friend? I just want to say a big thanks to Gene Smith, just somebody who I loved watching, uh, loved learning from him today. And, I mean, Sleepy Floyd, that's another guy that I yep. reached out to. I'm really hoping we can get another Hoya on there. Sleepy Floyd is one I'd, I'd love to have. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many great ones, man. It would be, especially that time period. I love that time period, man. Like, you know, rolling all the old names of the coaches, you know, like Raleigh Massimino. God, I haven't heard that name in forever. You know, Luke Harseka. I mean, they, you know, those those teams were all problems, man, back then. They were just amazing teams. So, you know, getting to hear more about that era to me is just super exciting, you know, to be, to be honest with you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the show. Um, I always say this, be good to yourself, be good to others. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening again. Peace.